Hi guys, welcome to CLD Talks. I am Ian Corbett and today I am chatting with Ian Wilson. Hello Ian, how are you? I'm good mate, how are you getting on? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. So as always we're going to jump right in at the deep end. I want to tell us all a bit, a bit, a bit about yourself um, and a bit about your, your journey in CLD so far, if you don't mind. Aye, no worries. I'll take you back to the, the very, very beginning and then just give you a wee run through where, like, where I've been and where I'm at today. So, 15, um, I used to attend like local youth clubs um, and I was involved in like a youth steering group, like youth committee. I got kicked out of school and then I was just kind of at a loss of where to go and what I was doing. Um, I'd done like my standard grades and then the school basically won me, won me back for the fifth or sixth year. I don't know if it's still the same now in school, but I was like a winter leaver, so I had to be in some form of education until I turned 16. And I didn't have nothing to go, so I, I went in and applied to go to college to do construction, and obviously, you know me, I'm the most useless guy ever when it comes to, like, hands-on stuff. So I was at an interview for that, and the guy was like, oh, so why do you want to do this course? And I was like, I don't, and I just, my school made me apply. <laughs> and then after that, I was just like, what am I going to do? So thankfully, I being involved in the youth clubs and they offered me like a volunteer placement. So that would be it was like full time, thirty five hours a week, up until the December, the January, and then after that we'd kind of reevaluate, relook at it, and then kind of see what options were there. But within that, I kind of went to things like Fairbridge, um, Princess Trust. I done some like training programs with them, just to kind of figure out why what I was interested in, where I was going, what I was doing. And then in the January, I got offered a six-month paid placement. I can't remember the volunteer something. I forgot the name of it now. That's bad. Um, so I, that was a six-month placement for the January till the summer. Um, 50, 50 Project Scotland volunteer placement. So it's 55 quid a week, 35 hours a week full-time. Um, I just loads of kind of training, loads of set, like going to sessions, working with the staff, and I just kind of getting involved in that way. And then from that, uh, kind of got some sessional work in the local youth club, uh, got some sessional work in the local community centre, and then applied to go to college. So I did the HNC, working with communities at John Wheatley, or Glasgow Kelvin College, as it's known now. Um, so I must have been about 16 or 17 when I done that. And so done done that for the year, and then got like part-time work um, in, the youth pro- in the youth project. Um, and then a bit of part-time work in the local community centre as like a peer educator. So done that for a couple of years, um, ended up full-time. I don't know what one, um, with the youth project and then went to uni. So I'd applied to go to Glasgow Uni to do the comed degree. So I'd done like the first, first two years of that maybe, but I kind of dropped out. It. it just wasn't, a, I was only about 18 or 19 at the time and it just wasn't right for me. I just wasn't ready for it. Uh, and I just, I was more interested in like the student life rather than studying and doing all that sort of thing. So I just kind of went back working and just worked um, there. And then, must have been in Dumarmot. So, so that, that was all. So I kind of worked in the same the scheme that I grew up in. So I grew up in Dumarmot. Um, so I was working in there. So kind of knew all the families and all the young people, which obviously has its benefits and it's not so great things to it as well. So like young people are coming chatting on the door asking if your clubs are on and if we're going on trips and things like that. So you just kind of get used to that. Mm. Um, would you change that? Like, sorry to interrupt you, but would you change that? Like, that no. Beginning part you know, of the being in the market? No, because I think it was a... I, no, I wouldn't change it for the... In the fact of the matter, it was just it was such a kind of grounding experience in terms of... I think a lot of the work that we done worked because the young people knew me. They knew us, so a lot of us, the, so the peer education programme is free for local young people. Um, maybe being in a wee bit of borrow, nothing major, um, but maybe just kind of being in a wee bit of borrow, but we then kind of all kind of worked in youth work um, and got a bit of experience and then took over this, took on this programme. So a lot of the young people seen us growing up, so they'd kind of, which obviously, again, young people are used to be mad, but are used to being this, are used to being that. But then that opens up so many opportunities to explore that with young people. Do you know what I mean? So that that alone, in terms of the relationships that we had, the, the support we had for the families, for the community, um, the buy-in we got for the young people was brilliant. So I wouldn't change that. Um, I would change things that we've done and aspects of the book yeah, now, obviously, in hindsight, 10, 12 years later. No, 
I ten twelve years later, but in terms of the program and the work that we've done, like it's to this day, like I still see some of the young people, and they're not young people, they're men now. Do you know what I mean? They've got families, they've got kids, yeah. and just looking back on all that, I'm like it's such a pure fond memories of actually helping. Like you can physically see that you've helped young people in their journey and and they're kind of thriving in their life and doing really well for themselves. Yeah. So, so what youth project was that? You said you mentioned youth project. Um, one of them is the Domarnock Youth Project, so it's no longer here anymore. Um, and the other one was Domarnock Futures Forum, so that was a a peer education program. That's it's put together by the community centre manager at the time in Domarnock. Um, but I so and then from that I went to work in Barrowfield, so I got a job at South Kilmarnock Youth Project part time as a youth worker there. Um. Brilliant, like one of the best jobs I've ever had. I don't know, you know Barrowfield anyway, but it's such a bizarre community in terms of it's one of the smallest places ever in the, the politics and the history and yeah. I just the, the, the community of it is very, very bizarre for such a small place. So working there was brilliant. Um I loved it, but I just it took me ages to understand it. Do you know what I mean? Like how folk feel a street away when they talk to somebody or they would fight with each other. Um, and they were just very protective and very territorial. Um, so even again, that was a whole new learning experience in terms of how to navigate and get in and work with people and kind of get that support, build those relationships because effectively somebody could see you talk, talking to somebody for top end. So they wouldn't talk to you if they were for the bottom end and you're just like, how do I, like, do you know what I mean? Like, how are you navigating this? How is this working here? <laughs> um, so I was there for about three years and during that time I got also worked part time for Peak. Um, I've well, done loads of like, play work with Peaks. I started as like a play ranger with them. So I was working me since 5 to 12, um, getting just kind of exploring play and reclaiming spaces for playing communities with young people. Um, and then kind of progressed in Peak as well into different roles. Um, so active play ranger and then kind of near the end of my time, I was like, leading the youth programme there um, and kind of managing, supporting the staff that, uh, that worked in that. And then... Got made redundant from peak in 2021. Would that be right? Died to it and then got a job, which I'm currently at just now, the East Strange Fraser Council as a community worker, um, where I focus on kind of employability, pre employability. So, working with 15 to 24 year olds, 12, 26 year olds, sorry, just kind of supporting them on their, their journey of kind of employment or volunteering or kind of high college, etc. Um, what does that sort of service look like then? Like, if you would like talk through that. A week in your in your role currently, what would, what would that look like? So it's it's changed a wee bit in terms of it's not just employability that I do. Um, so the program that I kind of I'm hit for mostly is the goals program. So it's a growth opportunities aspiration leadership and support. Um, so it's more of a pre employability program. So when I first started, um, I was finding a lot of the young people like so it's kind of referral based and um, working, but young people can also just kind of pop in and join in. Um. But I was getting a lot of referrals for young people who weren't quite ready to go into work. They weren't quite ready to go into college or uh, training. So then actually stripping it back and like, what are the young people missing? What do the young people need? How can we best support them? Because they're sitting around the table. There was loads of people doing similar things. So you then don't want to duplicate and recreate and just do the same things that somebody else is doing down the road. But for a lot of the young people that I was working with, they weren't at that stage yet. So they, do you know what I mean? So for example... I had a group of five or six young people recently, and three of them didn't speak, like, kind of talk in a group. So yeah. part of me is like, how, how are we going to work with them to get, how are they going to be ready to go into a job? Do you know what I mean? If they can't sit and speak to their peers and within a group setting. So then it's about like breaking that down and working with them to kind of understand why, but also putting them and giving them opportunities to develop that, to explore that, to understand that a wee bit better. Because no everybody's going to go into a, a, a job or college or uni and be a social butterfly and talk to everybody. Oh, but you can go in and you can find your niche and you can find like your support network within that and work with them um, and chat to them and that's just what you do when you're in work, do you know what I mean? So for me, I that's kinda stripping it back and looking at like what's missing, what are the young people missing? What 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 are they not got? Like what's happened? What's failing them? How are they not supporting them enough? Like what are they missing? Um and so that's kind of, I do I run that programme, that's like what a day or two a week, um, depending on again how many young people are there, how many groups I've got. And then also do a bit of school-based youth work, 
Um, so I was working on one of the local high schools, working with young people doing different programs, jazz awards. It's kind of the most most of the thing. Uh, so that's like junior awards, support scheme for schools, which are basically like a precursor for Duke Edinburgh. So it's not as quite intense as Duke Edinburgh, but it's it's kind of I it's just the kind of same. But that's my understanding of it, and anyway. it's the same kind of idea and ethos behind it. And then I also do detached youth work. So again, walking about the streets, chatting to young people, um, which actually me I still still enjoy. And for me, it's still like the pure most natural form of youth work there is because you've got the young people where they're at and they're in control. Do you know what I mean? Like recently. It's not quite happened to me yet. I mean, I've been called many a things and swore at many a things and whatever. But recently, my colleagues got told to fuck off <laughs> and, and detached. And I was like chuckling and found it hilarious because I, that's just what if young people they'll engage if they want, you don't, they don't need to engage. And for me, it's still I taking it back and off. Is when I first started doing like youth and community work, it was detached youth work was a big thing, yeah. And it's just a different experience. and building-based youth work and school-based youth work and you're going to young people in their terms and their turf and their community, do you know what I mean? So they decide if they want to let you in or no and if they want to negotiate and if they want to talk to you. So uh, do a bit of that and then kind of involved in youth youth clubs as well, so after school youth clubs. Um, so kind of head for two of them. One's based in Barhead, which uh, I have in just loads of challenges with the young team there. Um but again, using the youth club as a kind of tool to engage and a way to get them in and a way to try and kind of start challenging their thoughts, their ideas, their understanding of the world, but also kind of giving them a space to be young and come in and be safe and be supported. Um, and then I run one up in Newston, which is very, like, same idea, but the young people that come are just a wee bit different in terms of their needs and where they're at in their lives and stuff, but both uh, really enjoyable. And I so that's kind of where I'm at just now. Magic. I, I interrupted you earlier on when you were you were talking about education. You said you'd went to Glasgow Uni for a couple of years and then were more interested in the student life and that. Did, did you revisit education after that? So when, I can't remember, 2016, 2017, 2017 it was. So I'd always, I don't know why I'd always wanted to do this. I must have watched a telly show or something. But I'd always wanted to go and do like a Camp America sort of thing and just go work with kids in a different country and a different experience just to see if I was actually any good um, and to see what I could learn because again like for me you can always learn you're, you're always learning in this job anyway for your colleagues for your peers for your young people so I, I just went always wanted to do that and I wasn't getting any younger so I was, must have been 25 26 so I just went I just applied left my jobs but I was chatting to my mate who I worked with at peak and he'd done the comed degree at UWS, yeah. and he was like loved it, enjoyed it, and he's like, you should apply to do that. So I was like, I don't know if I can just be SAS and or sort of technically like, all that stuff, but I just applied. So I went to America, applied for uni, um, and got in, got a place. So I went to America, came back, and when I came back, it was the first time since I was fifteen really that I didn't have a job or some sort of income coming in. But I had, well, I had uni, so. Um, I went back to UWS in 2017, 2018, um, but I went straight into second year, just with previous yeah. merits and experiences and stuff. Um, and got luckily when I came back, I was quite fortunate. I got a job pretty quickly. Um, doing at the Legacy Hub in Dumarnock, um, kind of running, supporting them with a PB programme, um, youth work PB, so just kind of getting young people involved in what they wanted to spend their money on, um, on yeah. their community. So I went back to uni in 2017, so done second and third year, got like my degree, and then I took a year out because I had a baby, well I didn't physically have the baby, but first they had a baby. <laughs> so kind of like just try to be a student plus work full time plus be like a parent for the first time, I was like that's going to be too much. So I took like deferred for a year in terms of my honours year, and then I was planning then going back that year and then kind of worked all out the work at the time and then something happened I got messed about I got messed up couldn't go back to uni so I deferred again and then Covid hit I think so I don't know I was like I'm going to uni during Covid so and then I Covid hit got a new job and then again being with the with the council very supportive of me going back um, and I was only 
I just they were brilliant with me in terms of that. So I went back to do my honours here. And worked it out with my work in terms of when I would be in uni, when I wouldn't be. So and then I just brilliant, do you know what I mean? So easy, so so straightforward, so forthcoming, the way it should be, do you know what I mean? Well, I think it anyway. Yeah. Um and got my honours degree last year I graduated, so twenty twenty two. Uh, yeah, first, first class honours degree, you know. Got a medal and everything. Uh, is, so what was the medal? Tell us about the medal. Yeah, I got the court medal for my year. Just best. Like, that's funny to say, isn't it? 15, got kicked out of school at 15, and then 15 years later, you graduate with the best mark in your year. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you get a wee medal for it and a wee certificate. Aye, uh, no, but, congrats, congrats. You know, in terms of, and you're yourself, like, we're educators now. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what we are. Um, which has obviously been such a mad long journey, but aye, it's aye, which is for me in the position where I was at when I was younger. Never see this happening. Like when, when I got kicked out of school and the program that I was involved in, one of the staff said to me, like, probably probably speak a bit more about her um, later on in the podcast. But she was like, where, where do you see yourself in five years? So I was fifteen, and like, no, I'm no sugar, like, no, I wasn't. Wild by any stretch of imagination, I wasn't causing it. Hung about in the young team, but I wasn't. That wasn't. Wasn't my life. I just done it because that's what you done. Yeah. Um. But I was like five year time, probably be in jail. She was like, "Why not? Well, it's just what people like need." Day and it just either get a shitty job or you go to jail. And she, I think she ended up like just quite shocked with that and quite taken aback. And thankfully, I've never been in jail, so and now I've got a degree, so it's not bad. Happy days. But I like that conversation, I still think about it to this day. Like, that probably changed a lot for me in the fact of somebody actually believed that I could go to uni. Do you know what I mean? Like, a wee yeah, yeah. guy like me could go to uni. And the actual, just that conversation was probably just an innocent question on their behalf. Do you know what I mean? Just to kind of see what I was thinking or what we were thinking as a group. But it's probably, like, I, I've still never forgotten it and I probably never will, unless obviously I got older and forget loads of things. But. I would guess with hindsight and, and doing the work that you're doing it probably wasn't as innocent a question as, as you I, no, that's true to be fair. It's just laying that, that wee foundation in it, that wee seed for you to kind of then take and run with it and grow. So, and I think that's the beauty of what we do. And the young people that I'm working with in any way is they don't, they, there's a real like poverty aspiration. They don't aspire to be anything. They don't asp but they also don't know what they can do and what they can be and right. nobody tells them. Nobody says to them they can go and be a doctor, they can go be a unit, they can go and work in Tesco and Asda and it's fine because it pays the bills and it puts food on the table. That's great, do you know what I mean? But nobody tells them this. All you hear a lot of the time is they're worthless or they're this and they're yep. rags and they're this and that. Do you know what I mean? So that's all they're gonna believe. No, Whereas actually having somebody that takes that time and speak to them and listen to them and Ask them questions that makes them think and I I just think it's so powerful like the jobs that we do and the work that we do and the young people that we work with. Um and conversations can definitely change, change their world, do you know what I mean? Well definitely. I had a conversation recently about sort of like proximity and exposure to opportunities and you don't you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. And how how could you imagine being uh a brain surgeon, if you don't know that brain surgeons really exist, or you've never seen Aye, them, do you know what I mean? That's maybe an extreme example, but how, how do you get into, how do you get into the arts if you've never seen the arts and how it works and how how do you do that? And I think that's like you say, it's the joy of this kind of work is getting to create opportunities where you see wee sparks and tips. because I like you think a lot of the young people that we work with, so like SIMD areas, it's all poverty, it's all bloody drugs and crime and violence. So that's all young people are seeing. So they're then grown up to become a product of that do you know what I mean they don't aspire to do anything because they don't know anything else but two miles down the road young people are seeing a completely different world do you know what I mean so how do we actually that's where we're failing I think as well no I mean you but like society as a whole is what are we doing for these young people like what are our opportunities and experiences that we providing for them that's different that puts them out their comfort zone which challenges their way of thinking and Aye, and I think that's something that we, we need to get better at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Going back, you touched on Camp America when I, I'd asked about sort of qualifications and stuff like that. And you'd said that you'd wanted to go and sort of learn and, and see what things were like there. But what was your experience in Camp America? For full disclosure, it's one of the things I've always kind of regretted not doing and I kind of wish I had. Yeah, it was the most amazing, hardest 
knackering experience ever. Um, so I went to, I worked in a camp in New York. So well, it was an hour, an hour from New York City. So you're working for young, with young people for the five boroughs. So, well, not four, because it's got to sound harsh. Um, sorry to Wu-Tang Clan, but nobody really comes to Staten Island, do you know what I mean? Part of the <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan. So I do apologize, know that they're listening to this, but... Um, so it was new. It was Manhattan, the Bronx, Queens, and Brooklyn. So there were young, there were young people I worked with were eleven to twelve years of age, and just coming through real, real, like real trauma and like seeing family members shot and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Just growing up in abuse and crime and drugs. So they're coming to camp. And they've got me mate, like my random Scottish guy, pure happy and buzzing. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Don't have a clue what I'm saying. And then camp was kind of made up of, so I, again, I was 2017, what, what was that, eight years ago? No, six years ago. I can't count. Got a degree, yeah. I can't count. Uh, six years ago, I think, so I was 25, I, so I was... A lot of the camp people that you work with were like young. Know that that know that I'm saying that they can't even work with young people because they're young, but they'd never really worked with young people before. So they're maybe eight. So I worked with a couple of my colleagues that I worked with closely. One was like eighteen, just at a school, worked in a cafe, which again, no knocking that. Like definitely wanted a new different experience and all that. But she never worked with young people before, so. And felt as if it was just on me all the time to do loads of stuff. And then it's just the way camp works is, so you were in like a, a cabin. You had a cabin of six young people. And you're hit for them, basically. So if they're up during the night, you're up during the night. If they, like, all that. So, but <laughs> I didn't notice. So there's four encampments in 10 days, each one. So the first encampment, I was like, I'm getting woke up every night here, like, so they can go to the bathroom and all that. And the bathroom isn't in your cabin, so you don't have to walk to the bathroom and stuff. So in the encampment, I was like, I couldn't sleep, but it's just, I kind of got into it, and I was like, I can't really sleep at night. But they were waiting, I was on the top bunk, and they were waiting my colleague up, and she was like, no, I'll get in up, and went back to sleep. Well, I was up three, four times a night, constantly waking up at the end seven because you then need to get up early, get yourself dressed, and then get the campers up, get them dressed, shivered, ready for camp, breakfast, and all that. So I was getting like three, four hours sleep a night, and then waking up, and they're like, ah, waking up, you're bright eyed and bushy tailed. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? But um, I just the whole thing, it was so, it was tiring in that sense because it's constant. You're constantly, the young people are constantly at something, they're constantly wearing. You get a day off and a night off during the 10 days as well, so that was kind of good, but aye, it's quite full on, quite intense, but I wouldn't know, I'm so glad I've done it, and actually coming back from it, learning stuff with like, the young people that I worked with, and also colleagues that I worked with as well, different approaches, different ideas, different ways of chatting to young people, different, do you know what I mean, so I can then hopefully then using that again in my work just now, but actually just doing it, because I'm quite a, I like, I'm not staying in my comfort zone, but I quite like doing, if I'm enjoying what I'm doing, then I'll just do it. Yeah. Well, actually going and just going to a completely different country, and that was, I, it's a big thing for me personally as well, um, to do and to experience, so I'm quite glad I've done it. Nice one, nice one. So, thinking about the, your, your CLD sort of career, Usually, I would go into why people picked CLD as a career, but I think you kind of touched on that. But I think there's been a few points where you could have you could have left. So when you left uni after a couple of years, when you nearly went down construction and the sort of things that you've mentioned, what is it about CLD that that kept bringing you back in? Why why are you still here? But I guess within me, I've just got a desire to try and help people. So I benefited a lot from like youth work community development and I've still got really passionate about trying to help young people. I'm still really passionate about trying to help communities. I'm also just really sick of the world and how unjust it is and how unfair it is and how cruel it can be at times, especially for young people who don't really have like they don't have any control, do you know what I mean? Like they're born, they don't have they don't have access to money, they don't have access to this. So their life is kinda of already pre not pre designed, but it's kinda of pre there's a shape there, there's an idea, there's a path. And irrespective of their circumstances, they can't control it. And I'm just, I, I'm just really passionate about trying to help young people make a change and do do better or aspire to be better. 
Um, and when that goes, I suppose that'll be time to call it a day. Um, but I've still got that. Um, still got that within me. I just to kind of just to be that person. I suppose I had. I was quite fortunate. I had a few youth workers that were brilliant, and they helped me so much. So actually having that for that young person who's maybe no got the grades or maybe no got the support or do you know what I mean to actually be that person for them is why I do it do you know what I mean just to try and help well, even if it's one young person then Absolutely. I can I can go home at night and sleep Absolutely. Night, but, <laughs> so like thinking about the people then that we always I see all the talks have conversations about the people with role models um and I open that up both to, to personal role models or, or in a professional capacity. I know you said maybe the Sunday would come back to um, earlier on from your own sort of Aye. work experience, but who are the people that have sort of shaped shaped you up to this point and, and who are the people that you look up to going forward? Um, this has got a... I'm, I'm not having to listen. So I've got three older brothers. Well, four ones are a year older than me, so he's not really... I don't really look up to him nor look down on him. Like he was just... Very like my peers, I suppose, we were just like we were mates and fighting and all that. But I've got two older brothers, so one of them is he would have been in the young team and out steaming every weekend and out fighting. So I've grown up, I always wanted to be him just because I'd like he had a bit of status and he was he could fight and all that sort of nonsense. One night, I always remember he was steaming and I was in his room, so we had like a PC in the room. It was in him and my oldest brother's room, and I was playing chat manager. And he was came in steaming, and I was just talking to him, and I was trying to get the goss. And he was like, "You don't want to be me." And I was like, "What do you, what you know about?" He's like, "Don't look up to me. Look up to Scott." And I was like, "What?" And again, that conversation then got me thinking, "What do you mean, look up?" So my oldest brother, he's I think he's the first in a full generation of family to go to uni. Um. He like left school at age 17, 18, got a job. Like, do you know what I mean? We kind of grew up, so my man and dad split up when I was young. So my brother effectively helped my ma with bills and running the house and very like pure selfless, such a selfless person. So ever since that conversation with my second oldest brother, I've then just kind of looked up to my oldest brother in terms of like, this is what you do for your family. Do you know what I mean? This is how you try to be as a person. It's not always about you. You put other people first. So for that, do you know what I mean? I've all, I'm quite grateful and thankful that I've had like older brothers that are quite good in that sense. Um, and again, since no, my oldest brother, the second oldest brothers, no, like I, he's grand. He's not like in jail or nothing. He's not, he kind of. I, I think it's just a part of growing up and development and their scheme at the time. You just went through that. Do you know what I mean? You were in the local young team, like getting mad with it, fighting. It was just the culture at the time. So he obviously doesn't do that anymore. He's thirty four. No, hold on. Ah, he's thirty four now. So we're thirty five. So he's like got a job, he's got a house, he's got a degree. Again, he went to uni as well. Um, which is mad to think that us three, three or four dafties have got a degree. But hell, um, and again, that's not to be all and end all, but it's just a a marker, kind of where you're at, I suppose, and people's opportunities that they can get to. Um. So they were probably like grown up, they were the two. But in terms of youth work and CLD, I had two two workers at the time who I worked really closely in one programme. So it was a YES programme, which was a Young East End speaking programme, which was run by Save the Children. Um, and that was all kind of about youth voice and giving young people a stay in their communities and challenging like policy and power makers and decisions at me. So it was myself and my mate, who, Chris, who he's... Again, we got into youth work together, but he's not a physio with the NHS, he kind of left it. Um, so we were on that as young people, and those two staff there, well, three really, so Jane McIntyre, so she was like the project lead. She took a chance in me. Like, with no shadow of a doubt, like, took a chance, major gamble, major chance. Um, and then I had the two staff that I worked with, was Michelle Docker and Ben Williams. Ben was a uh, Tyree, like, originally grew up in Tyree. Moved, I don't know why he moved to Glasgow, probably because he grew up in Tyree. Um, they are sensitive folk for Tyree, but I don't imagine it's as uh, exciting as Glasgow. So he kind of moved for, I don't know if he was going to work or life or not, but he ended up working. So him and Michelle were our two workers. And uh, he was uh, he was a funny guy, a bit of a strange character. And a nice guy, but just again, different for me, a wee guy growing up in a scheme, and he was a, came from a completely different world. So, 
that that resonated really well because he had different different experiences, different knowledge, a different way of seeing the world. So that then challenged me, and do you know what I mean? We had those conversations where, ah, uh, he would just make you think differently about stuff, and I challenge your thoughts and your opinions on it. So they two were really good. Took a lot of time, invested a lot of time in me, and when I was volunteering with them, they were like my key key workers or whatever. Um. So they could probably work, and it was Michelle that asked the question of for a dream part of your time. So day three, like Jane for taking a chance on me, and then Michelle and Ben for putting up with me because literally my first day of placement, mate. Like, I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I probably shouldn't be in CLD. So my first day in placement, we went out to a group, and one of the young people. So I was like sixteen maybe at the time. One of the young, I knew him for school, so he was a year below me at school. And it was being like, just being a, trying to be wide and be cheeky with Ben, and was just being a wee, not so very nice to him. So I pinned him up the wall, mate, grabbed him in the throat and pinned him against the wall. And I was like, don't ever speak to him like that, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, Ben and Michelle were like, what, what are we doing here? What has happened? So, first day, literally, first or second day, mate, I've got a young person pinned up against the wall. And then, three months, I think I got sidebrained for about two months after that, loads of training, loads of that, which is fair enough, I suppose, but they could have easily kicked me out and be like, no, sorry, do you know what I mean? But, yeah. but even now, I'm like, what is, like, how am I still here, like, after doing that? But again, that time and that support and that investment in me, do you know what I mean, helped. Um, so they feed, especially. And then two guys that don't want your project, um, Simon Strang, so, and it, it, he, he was project leader for a while. But again, gave me gave me a sessional job, like believed in me, interviewed me, gave me loads of support, gave me loads of training. Um, so again, him for actually believing in me to give me my first job. Um, and then Jamie Lumsden, again, a guy, he was just, it wasn't just a youth worker, but he was one of the youth workers at the programme. Um, just a really nice guy. Um, and again, loads of support, loads of help. When I first started, kind of, I just went leading sessions or different ideas, different ways. Uh, so I day five, I suppose, were probably like the, the role models for me in terms of oh, this is how you work with young people. Do you know what I mean? You, you be you be a good year for them, you challenge what they're saying, you support them, you invest in them, you give them your time. Um, and this is the rewards that you get for it, do you know what I mean? For that young person and for yourself alone. Um, try to remember if there's maybe anybody else. Later on in my career, uh, no, like I think as I've kind of progressed, again, like in my different jobs, like I worked with uh, Kelly Glass at SCYP. Really, I loved like working with, loved working. She was my manager, but really loved working with her. She was there, like for me, she was what a manager should be. So she hired me for a reason. So I had the trust and the autonomy to go do my job and go. If I were needed anything, she was there. If she ever needed maybe it rained men or whatever, and then she was there. But there was a respect and there was a trust, and for me, that I loved working under her. And then worked under her at the peak again and loved it. I, um, no, I would echo that. Like, uh, just really, a really nice person as well, really good to talk to. If you, again, if you needed anything, or like if something was going on in your life, you could go to her and she'd be there, and you know what I mean? So, and again, just took a chat, probably, again, probably took a chance on me as well in terms of, uh, I like work and youth work and working with young people so um, I really like like in terms of management and stuff I really like working under her um, and guys like my bosses are new like they're good again so I'm at Kelly and they hired me for a reason so they don't go on my case they just let me do what I'm doing and if I need anything or if they need anything it's a conversation it's a do you know what I mean like there's that trust and autonomy to, to, to do my job really do you know what I mean? And I don't, and then they're no pure on my case. But the, the five that I mentioned, so Jamie, Michelle, Ben, and Jane, and Simon, like, again, in terms of starting out, yeah. they were massive for me, because I get, I wouldn't be here if they didn't give me those opportunities, do you know what I mean? So. Oh, definitely. And I, I think there's, a, it's also, like, good to notice a knock-on effect to that, because I think one of the things that I reflect, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know me and Ian work together at peak, we sort of alluded to it there, but also I've, I've kept in contact as pals since then. But I remember distinctly like working with you one of the first times and it changing how I sort of practice things. And so I had done a lot of arts youth work and I had done a lot of like the play stuff that you'd spoke about Aye. and that sort of stuff. 
we well, you ran in a, a supported young activists program. When I had done like issue based youth work up to that point, it was massive issues. It was climate crisis, Aye. or it was we were doing. I, I done a project where it was making the Christmas box things for Africa, and and whatever. I think working with you was the first time that I probably seen youth work used for social justice for young people in their own communities, tackling glass and lights and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think like reflecting on that, that changed. Like like I would I would definitely say that you were a role model of mine in that space, but it's just mad to hear like the knock-on effects of like those young people taking a punt on you. Actually, uh, the knock-on effects are now rippling through the work that I do. I now work with people in justice and care experience, tackling social injustice pretty much as a knock-on effect of working with you on a project of activism in Rukesi. Do you know what I mean? And, it's, yeah, that, that, and that's the thing. It's, and young people are stupid. They can figure you out. Do you know uh, what I mean? So they'll let you in if you're genuine and if you're authentic and if you want to work with them and you care about them. So any... I even think back to the work that we done in Governor High School the first couple of weeks so young yeah. people were still trying to figure us out and if they wanted to like, talk to us, if they wanted to engage with us. And I would say by the end of the programme, it was really a really good programme, really good Absolutely. relationships that we built. Um, but it took time, do you know what I mean? And that's, for me again, is the beauty of this work, is young people or communities will let you in if, if they believe in you, if they trust in you, if you're authentic, if you're genuine, they, they can see bullshit, do you know what I mean? So Absolutely. if you're there and you're presenting, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to help. We're all just trying to kind of help make a difference. Yeah. If we I, can I think the point... A very small part, because communities and young people do it for themselves. Yeah, but absolutely. If we play, we, we play a small part and... And it's the small part that we play is the knowledge, the experience, the, the, the practical skills that we bring and bringing people together and bringing ideas together. And do you know what I mean? So I think one of, you um, touched on one of the things there about autonomy and, and being hired to do a job and just being left to do it. And I think that's hugely important as well in building those connections and relationships and actually building trust with communities because when you're working to someone else's agenda, the, the communities know. Do you know what I mean? So it's. Right. And at the end of the day, what are we there for? We're there for communities, we're there for the young people. So what, what are they saying? What is their experiences? What's their current situation? Okay, let's start for them and take, roll, roll with that. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And again, I suppose that's the beauty of working with people is my my approach isn't the same as your approach. Do you know what I mean? None of, who's to say what one's best? Both are equally important and working with your colleagues, that's what like I love working with people is because you can pinch ideas, you can take stuff for other people. Like how do they approach this situation? Or how how are they gonna do that? Or oh, that's actually I've never thought of that that way, or I've never thought of using that. Or do you know what I mean? And that's that's the beauty of having colleagues and working with people as well, is you learn from each other and you uh, you practice different things. So Absolutely, absolutely. While we're on that, that positive note, then what's some career highlights? What's the most memorable moments for your, your career in the last 10, 12 years? Um, ooh, that's kind of, I don't know. Uh, the work that I've done in Toronto, Marnock, so the peer education work that I've done, um, again, looking back, probably loads of things we've done wrong, loads of things we got wrong, loads of things that we shouldn't have done that we've done, but Again, did the did were we successful in what we were trying to do? Yes. Did we help the young people? Yes. Did we help the community? Yes. Did we change the the narrative about young people within the community? Aye. Did young people get involved and in volunteering? Did they then go into jobs? Do you know what I mean? Aye. So for me, that's a massive tick. Um, it's a massive oh, tick, but it's just a massive like highlight and massive success. And again, loads of learning for that. Um. Work that I done with Peak and uh, loved it. Loved my time at Peak. Like loved to like met you. Met I've got pals of life that I met met at Peak working with Peak. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So and I and I think that the work that Peak do is brilliant. Is amazing. Do you know what I mean? And I was a small part of that. Um, small part of like the street play program and growing that in communities and it's bloody massive now. It's all over the place. Um. So I enjoyed all that again. Met. There's the people you meet, I suppose, as well along the way in it that help help because I met so many people for Peak that are, will be pals of life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I couldn't name them all, but that would be a while. Um, 
And then the work I done in Southcombe Lackey and Barrafield, again, a different experience. But again, we actually done like a, a pilot program, Youth Scotland, which I always forget to record it. Um, so it was a girls only judo program that we were running as a pilot. And we were like, we'll, we'll do it. Do you know what I mean? We've got access to a building, we've got access to this. So we successfully ran a girls only judo program in Barrafield. So loads of young, young people coming along and taking part in judo. A bit random for Barrafield, but I suppose at least if they're going to throw each other in the book, they will learn proper techniques. <laughs> <laughs> and that then led to three or four um, pilot programmes within Glasgow. And that all stemmed to Youth Scotland, SSF, Active East to Wear at the time, and SCYP um, conversations. And again, trying things, taking a chance and seeing how it, how it would go. Um, what else? Have I been involved in? What did it peak? Yeah, I've mentioned peak. Um, so I was at peak for like six year in. So there's loads and loads of highs there. Um, we'll not speak about the lows, but loads of loads of highs. <laughs> um, but and then the work that I'm doing now, I'm actually. So I had this conversation with a couple of my colleagues recently. I'm no pure. I don't feel as if I've done a great job at what I'm doing. Um, I don't feel as if a lot of the stuff that I'm doing had massive success and massive impact. Maybe I'm not seeing it. So, also, so when I first started with East Brown Pressure Pound, so I was in a month and then I was off sick because I'd begun for operations and stuff. So I was then off for three, and then back for four, and then off again for three. And then I've been back now for about eight, eight nine months, a year, I don't know. So I, I feel as if I'm just getting into the swing of things. I'm just getting. Like, going for the third sector into a local authority is completely different. Like, just the way the things work, the way they do things. And that took me ages to get my head room. Even to this day, I'm still a bit like, yeah. what, why do we do this? How does this happen? Like, how does this work? My boss probably is a bit annoyed because I do pester her quite a lot with my stupid questions that I probably should know the answer to. But, um, so going for that to the third sector to the, the, local, uh, the local authorities has been a massive change. But uh, in terms of this, I feel as if I've not really had a good run at things. Uh, and I uh, just a lot of the, the work that I'm doing is I'm not seeing the impact and that's probably the hardest thing. I don't know if that's maybe just based on previous experience when I was quite invested in the community that I was, like I lived in the community that I used to work in. And then a lot of the other communities I knew the people in the community because it was local to me as well, do you know what I mean? So I don't know if it's maybe that. It was, I don't know. I just don't feel right now that I'm had a massive success at anything. Um, but I, we'll see how it goes. Uh, what, what do you think the key learning is between, because I, I very briefly, very, very briefly had a, a local authority job as well, um, coming from the third sector, and I, I knew it just wasn't for me pretty quickly, but you, you've sort of had the opportunity to be immersed in both. What's, what, what's the key differences for you? Like, what do you think? Um, no. I think with the, I think with local authority, you've you've protected more. Like you've got more security. There's more stability. There's you've got sick like sick pay. You've got I don't know. I don't know I, just things like that, which you don't really get in the third sector. Um, oh, well, you do get it, but it's statutory. It's not very great. Uh, do you know what I mean? So if you're not feeling well, you're going to go into work anyway because it's not worth your time being off. Not that that's a reason to go work for local authorities, but it's it's part of it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Money's better, <laughs> not gonna lie. Like I do much less in terms of responsibility wise. So in previous jobs I've managed staff, I've led teams, like all that kind of stuff, been hit for programmes and been paid far less. So again, that I don't do this job for money because the money is better, but it's not life changing, do you know what I mean? So but again you need money to survive, so to live in this world just now. So that's better. I don't know. I, just, I think there's just more processes in place in the third, in the local authority. So buying a pint of milk isn't as straightforward as buying a pint of milk for a group, for example. Do you know what I mean? So um, I try to think. I don't know. I just think there's just more, more, more red tape. But it's just more pro. And again, because it's a council and they've got their image and all that sort of stuff to protect, you just have to do things a certain way and you just have to do things differently. Whereas I suppose in the third sector you do have a wee bit more flexibility in how you do things. Yeah. Um but aye. 
I don't know. I don't really know. I think it just takes a wee while to get used to the way things work. Yeah. Um, but well, I was definitely <laughs> saying going to the uni. Like, I went. I went third sector in university at work, and I mean, I'm still doing community work and, and still working with young people, but just in a different setting. Do I have to call you professor now? <laughs> no, no, not a professor. <laughs> uh, professor the process is like just for like, like you say, buying something. Like, aye. There's, there's no access to petty cash. There's there's provinces yeah. that uh, that take weeks <laughs> to access money and, and and things like that. However, absolutely, I, I don't think you can really understate the protections that come for terms and conditions and your ability to do your job when you don't need to worry about precarious contracts or paying your bills or, or, or right. all those sort of things. Even if you do get sick, mate, like, <laughs> it's a part of life. You're no one stressing out about money and having to work and going back to work. Because when I first started, I was I didn't come under like sick pay. I'd only been in a month, so I didn't qualify for it. So I was over for three months, and then I was like, right, my savings are running out. I need to go back to work. Do you know what I mean? I can't even work. And then that's probably why I ended up off again, because I wasn't 100% when I went back. And then I had to get my operations and stuff. But the second time I was off, I could just be off and recover, because... There was and also obviously circumstances had changed in terms of like Kirsty had more work and so I so she was working as well so money wasn't such a, a stress but right. I just having that and knowing that no I can take the time now to get better and heal and then go back to work fully fit and now as I said I think I've been back about a year now and I've been touch wood I've been healthy so right. um, and I've not had to worry about anything like that so yeah. That's one of the things I would really love to see is like I think people go people go go to the like local authority jobs or, or public sector jobs partly because that's the right move for them, but sometimes it is driven by terms and conditions. Aye. I wish there was a way back. I wish we could bring some of that the, the processes and regulations and stuff back to third sector because yeah. flexibility and autonomy sometimes it's also a bit haphazard. Um and I think there's no real channels. It, it becomes difficult logically to take a local authority job and then go back to a third sector job because if you're working at the same level, like you said, you're probably going to get paid less. The terms and conditions are going to be less. But actually, there's loads of learning from like, yeah. the learning you've got that would be really valuable for a third sector. But it's not a logical progression. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, I like coming to the, the local authority... I've had like had been part of conversations or heard from people in the local authority from people that've previously worked there, and they're like, "Ah, that's happened." And they were like, "No, that's not my job." And I'm like, "Just do it. Like, you just do. It. You just get on with it. You help it." Because it coming from the third sector, nah. and it's a stipulation in your contract and every anything else that your manager or something thinks or deems nah. required. Any, any other reasonable duties? Right. So. You're like, no, well, I'll just help it. No, probably it's not my job, but it helps. If I'm helping it, I'm helping it. Like, that's just what you do. So then coming and then hearing the, those conversations of, like, people saying in the past, like, this is what folk have said, or this, this is what, I find it so bizarre still. I'm like, you just chip in and help it and get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Rather than hiding, well, no, I hate behind your contract, but your contract's your contract. It's there to keep you safe and protect you, I suppose, for but I suppose that mentality has never really changed for me in terms of you just go to it, you day and you help it, and if somebody needs a horn, you give them a horn or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and I think that's funny. I've not experienced it yet. Um, in this job, like, I've not had anybody say I'm not doing that. It's not my job. But I would, I would probably find it hilarious if somebody done it. If I'm being honest, does <laughs> <laughs> that mean you play with you? You're not doing that. It's not your job. Just do it. And get it done. But they're quite within their rights not to do it. So. Aye, that's it. That's it. What's then if, if you look at the CLD sector um, as a whole, you've got quite a good overview and insight given the roles that you've had. What 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 would you change if you if you could change something right now in the sector? Is it anything that's niggling you? Fund it. We've got to properly fund you for it. We've got to make it universal. We've got to make it a right for all young people. We've got to embed it in schools within communities. It's got to be a part of education and it's got to be recognised as education. No one's necessarily saying your fuck has to go into schools. But I've worked in so many worked with so many schools, so many young people, and they buy out they buy you fucking or they get you fucking because they don't know how to work with 
these hard-to-reach young people. The young people are there, they're not hard-to-reach. You're just not engaging them correctly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we need to make we need to fund that. I'm sick to death of you fuck getting cut, you fuck budgets getting cut, you fuck resources getting cut, and then issues within communities are on the rise. Why? Why are we surprised? There's less things. There's less alternatives for young people than today. So what do you expect? Like I like I don't know. You obviously see the news and oh, we need more police. You don't need more police. Like having more police doesn't deter crime. Having alternatives for young people and opportunities for them and experiences for them is what deters crime. But if you keep cutting youth work and you keep underfunding staff and resources, then what do you, what do you expect? Do you know what I mean? So we need to fund it and invest in it and secure it so that it's universal and all young people get the right to access youth work. The same as they go, they get the right to access doctors and dentists and schools and sports and whatever else. That is the massive, and I get it's obviously not as easy as doing that, but why is it not? Why is it not that easy? We can bloody fund MPs expense raises for 20 grand every five years. How can we not fund your work? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It has an impact on communities than most things. Oh, that I totally agree. I think the point you made as well about universal youth work, one of the things that I think. I would, I, I would either love everyone to have access to youth work or for there not to be a need for it at all, all, all or nothing. And the reason, Aye. the reason I say that is, is I think there's a, a stigma we don't talk about enough about youth work. You mentioned earlier on that most of the work that we do is in SIMD1 areas or it's working with, with groups on the margins or, or, or whatever it is. But for me, youth work isn't universal because it's seen as almost seen as a weakness and I think we don't talk about that enough I think there's a lot of these groups that we say are hard to engage is because we are not offering them something that is a pill by engaging <laughs> I, and I think like that that universal youth work has the opportunity to change that um, and I think you're right I think it is a, a, an element of education and I think when I, I did my first podcast a year and a half ago or whatever with, with Connor that was the exact same thing I had said for, for, for me the, the tail wags the dog particularly in third sector funding is that yeah. people need to commit to doing more with less money because the, the funding so directly competitive and people are it becomes a race to the bottom. Do you know what I mean? Uh, people need to say we can do that and we'll do it with less cash, and that's 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 yeah. the, the disparity between third sector and local authority just gets wider. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And again, it's who's missing it in all this young people communities. Do you know what I mean? That's that's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. So sometimes folk get caught up in politics and. And we forget what the, what the purpose is, like what we're trying to do. Do you know what I mean? Um, there was also something I was going to say about this flip line, so I might come back. Aye, no worries. You sort of spoke earlier on about challenges, about the time off you had and and, um, and, your, and your current role, just due to ill health and, and stuff like that. Are there any other big challenges you've had in your career? Uh, and if yes, how did you get over them if you did? And, and what, what was the sort of learning for that? See, yeah, actually, I was thinking about this the other day, not in relation to the podcast, just COVID, mate. See, COVID, that, that messed me up. See, for being like a youth worker, community worker, out there every day, working with groups, working with people, and then just being stuck behind a laptop all day. That, like, it's only in hindsight now, at the time. I was in a great space during COVID in terms of work, mentally, like, I'm sorry, like, I'm... Um, my life, like work had changed, do you know what I mean? My life had completely flipped, and I was just meant to roll with it, just meant to go with it, do you know what I mean? I'm like, hold on, I've not got, like, how? Like, how am I working with young? They're just doing sessions online. What? Like, how do you do that? <laughs> so, again, there's a whole lot of learning needed, and a whole lot of reflection needed. Like, actually, I don't want to do your work on a screen, do you know what I mean? And then again, and again, it was a pandemic. I understand, but for me, that was a massive challenge in terms of motivating myself to go to work every day. Because I was literally effectively living at my work. You woke up in your house, put your laptop on, you were at work. Whereas you didn't really see people. Ah, you would meet in teams, and but again, I don't know if it, I, I might be speaking for myself as. I'm a people, like, I like being around people in person. I like feeling, like, feeding off energy and vibes and something not great, which I've obviously had issues with in the past is getting caught up in the, the negative train, shall we say. But 
like that was a massive challenge in terms of how I work and what my work is and what is the purpose of my job and what is the purpose of me, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? That was, and I'm still, no, like after those aspects of COVID, I really like, like after, after work, I've been sitting in my house and watching telly, that was brilliant. <laughs> but again, the, the physical implications of that and the mental implications, probably not great, but um, I, that's, like, and that's just, the biggest one, I suppose, that I can think of, obviously the health situation, um, but that's health, like, can't really control your health, so. Yeah. Um, but COVID pure changed, like, me. And I feel as if I was a completely different person, and not in a great way. So, I was in a job, and I just, I just didn't work out for the bases in the end. But I think that had a massive impact on my attitude and my, my, my mindset towards it. And I just couldn't shift it, because I'd, I, I just had all this stuff stuck in my head from COVID and and so actually getting leaving made redundant, whatever you want to call it, was great for me. Because then to close that chapter, I've got a different job and was only something new. But that's probably been the biggest, the biggest one. Any any positives? Like, do you think there's been any positives for that situation in your work life now? Or, or like, my, my my thinking being like, we are sitting right now online uh, and well, no, like massively. Like, this actually being able to connect and meet online things matter like so important. At the time, I, I just couldn't get my head around it. But now it makes sense. Like I like digital. I because I've had more experience. I've been uh, exposed to it a lot more. And actually hopping online and having a quick meeting with somebody's more effective with my time than driving twenty minutes and wasting fuel. And yeah. do you know what I mean? So that makes more sense. The ability to work from home, like. Why do I need to go and sit in an office and sit in a laptop when I can just sit in my, in my house for a couple of hours? Because, again, now that I'm face-to-face a lot more and I still get that. So I have that aspect of working with people and being with people and learning from people and connecting. But I can also wake up in the morning and fire on my laptop and I don't need that because actually for the next two hours I need to do a report or I need to do this or I need to do that. So I don't want that connection. I need that separation. Yeah. And I can, I'm quite easily caught up in the carry-on of an office environment. I like having laughed, do you know what I mean? So, and again, my colleagues and they'll probably be like, if they, I don't know if they listen to this, but if they do, but I, he's, he's always just full of carry-on, do you know what I mean? When I'm around people and I mean, I, my work still gets done, but yeah, be at the detriment of other people. <laughs> um, but I, and again, just the way that we think and we see things and I don't know if I've maybe went back though to the way it was before COVID. Like, things were great before COVID as oh, well, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's look at ourselves on here. Like, not everything was rosy before COVID. So, COVID was always like a chance to reflect, maybe pause, maybe reset, maybe try something new. But I feel as if, and you mentioned that about the funding and competing, and we went back to things like that. Whereas during COVID, how many organisations seen it on Twitter or, or social media and were helping, helping each other out? Like picking up the phone and I'll help you with this and it wasn't about who's got the money and it wasn't about right, how much are you contributing towards this, it was helping for helping sake yeah. and again I think we've maybe went away for that again since Covid and everybody's and I, I, I'm saying this looking for the outside in so I'm not involved in these conversations I don't really know what happens, it's just my perspective of what's, what I'm seeing yeah. so here's back to that like competing and cutting eye as you said, like cutting and cutting folk and doing things, doing yourself a disservice as well at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? Rather than actually how do we come together and how do we actually make sure that young people from Bermullock, Rob Royston, Rikese, Newton Mearns, whatever it is, like how do we make sure that they're all getting the right support that they need and we're investing in them, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So I'm going to move on um, to the, the, the final question that I've got for you. And it's the same question that we end every one of these podcasts with. Um, so it's just a, what if you were working with somebody, a young person, or if you were to give advice to somebody looking to start a career in CLD, what what would that advice be? Yeah, just go for it. Immerse yourself in it. Like make mistakes. Work. Find good people. Like find the right people. I suppose is that's key because you could have. <laughs> Not so great staff who are no lazy is a pure lazy term to throw at somebody, but just run of the mill, just stay with the pin, show up to get paid. And again, each to their own, as long as they're working and as long as they're still contributing, that's great and that's fine. 
I said, but for me, you've got to want to invest yourself in it and immerse yourself in it and find your niche, I suppose, as well. Like, don't, like, find something that you're really passionate about. Like, what you're doing the new, no disrespect to you, like, three years ago, four years ago when we first started working together. I, I could never seen this, couldn't see you doing what you're doing, but you found, like, a passion and you found something that you really, again, it's probably based on your experiences as well and your own. So you found, like, that passion and that niche and that thing that you really want to, you feel you want to change, um, know that you're a young person because you're older than me. But for me, it's that you've just embraced it, immerse yourself in it, jump in with two feet, expose yourself to new ideas, new ways of thinking, new opportunities, make mistakes. Like, I still make mistakes to this day, still get imposter syndrome now and again. Still, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. Not saying I'm, I know everything because I don't, and I mm-hmm. never will, but I still into groups and I'm like oh no I don't know what I'm doing here or they're not going to take to me or yeah. do you know what I mean so that that's I don't know if everybody gets that I don't know but I still have I'm like what am I doing here like I don't know what I'm doing and then you do know what you're doing because your instincts kick in your experiences kick in your skills kick in like your confidence and then do you know what I mean but that still happens but for me it's just go for it two feet and find something that you're really interested in and invest and immerse yourself in it. Not to the point that it's unhealthy, but to the point where you want to, you want to learn more, you want to do more, you put yourself forward for more experiences. And I suppose the biggest thing is learn to say no as well. Because um, I suppose when you're first in it, you just, aye, aye, I'll do this, aye, I'll do that, aye, I'll do that. Actually, sometimes you might not want to do something. That's fine to say no, and it's fine to not overdo it and not exert yourself. For me, it's just go for it. Like invest, put your two feet in, invest yourself, immerse yourself, and make loads of mistakes because that's how we learn. Smashing. Thank you very much. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? That was the thing. I don't know. Uh, the Karen, the, the other Karen yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So, awards, mate. Awards. I don't know if you're, we, I know we used to have conversations about this. Um, that's the thing I still struggle with. So, yeah. No struggle with it in terms of I know how to do them and it's you getting young people to buy in. So a lot again, a lot of the young people that I work with, maybe not great achievers at school. Right? Doing work with us, doing a programme with us, it's then do I mean we've had it we've had it and I know we've had it in our experiences in the past. Right, what awards are they doing? Yep. Like, what do you mean? Do this award, right? And try to get young people back and maybe I've just not found the right way of doing it, I suppose. But try to get young people to buy into an award. That they don't really care about, and I'm probably doing. I probably loads of folk within the sector within CLD that are like, "Oh my God, why are you saying this?" But young people don't really care about their words. They don't want to do them. Now, again, this is just my experience. They don't want to do them. It's then forced. It's just a tick box thing to say, "Look, like, we've done twenty five awards." Ooh, and again, I'll probably get get jipped from man pause if they listen. But it's the experiences that is the most important thing. What experiences are we providing for the young people? Not the award. Because at the end of the day, I've never, maybe I'm wrong, I've never then known a young person who I've worked with in the past. And maybe you, some of the, I know, some of the staff at Peak who we worked with as young people. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think when I've met them, they've never once come up to me and said, I oh, mind that award I've done. What they've come up and said to me is, mind that time we went to Edinburgh, mind that time we went on a residential, mind that time we went to Sky, I don't think we've ever went to Sky, but that experience is what, what they remember. So, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, probably I'm wrong, but the award thing I feel as if we're getting to, that's an education thing where young people be what we don't engage in school, you then give them an award, like, I don't want to do this, this is what I was doing at school, and I don't engage with it. Why do we then try and insist on pushing it forward? I suppose on the flip side of that is, as professionals, we are professionals. How can we not just, you know what I mean, have the autonomy to be like, young people actually get a two-page reflection on the job's experience of this programme, what they've learned, what they've gained, and get an award. Why is that so difficult? It's no hard. And I get that you have people who but then all staff will just put them through and blah blah and then you, where's the trust? Where's the like where's that trust that professionals know how to do their job and know how to work with young people? Rather than try to force awards on young people, which I don't think work. And I don't think young people use them, like in terms of 
Maybe they do. I don't know. But they don't. No, I think, I, think, I think I agree. On the I, I could be wrong, and I'm, I'm sure loads of folk, and it'll be a good conversation we can have, I suppose, and like folk can have, and yeah. high different spaces and whatnot. But for me, I just think we put too much onus and pressure on awards rather than experiences. And, yeah. and my experiences and in my lifetime of doing this work, it's the experiences which are the most important for the young people to get them from A to B or to broaden their picture or perspective or horizons or to kind of put them on a different path in a manner of speaking. So yeah. I, well, think I, that, I, I think I agree a, on the most part, but I th- for me, like, I, I think part of the reason they exist is because it's measurables and actually some of the things that we that we are doing is, is trying to improve soft skills, resilience, confidence, self-esteem, and, and that's hard to measure. So actually those that, that provides an evidence base. But I think you're right. I think so often the young people we work with, we're asked to work with them because they're not engaging in formal education and never trying to impose it on them. So I think like I think that the awards have a space. I think if there's young people who maybe want to go to university but don't quite have the grades and want to top up their accreditation by doing other things and stuff, then that that that's a great hey, no, no, definitely. I think again, probably the young people I work with it just doesn't work, they just don't want them. Do you know what I mean? There definitely is a need for them. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit over the top, but I, I just suppose with the young people that I've worked with in the past, is the experience is more important than the actual award or certificate. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what we should be focusing on more of anyway, is providing life-changing experiences for young people. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, and just on reflection of like the way you said about delivering the awards, awards like the Saltire Awards and stuff for volunteering, Actually, it can be that you, you recognised by the worker and and that sort of thing. So it, it does work in that in that model. Yeah, and ah, uh, yeah, and that's like things like that. Because again, we see them, like we we work with them, we support them, we see them every day. So ah, uh, it's tip them like ah, uh, it's great, well done, on you go. Do you know what I mean? You're aye. I actually I had a, and I'm not going to name the person, but somebody I work with fairly closely had said something about awards, and a. Uh, they were they were going through verifying all the, the stuff was there, and he says he said to me, "This is a joke. We don't make the wins write their own report cards, and it's it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? It's the same sort of premise that you're saying is is like teachers have the autonomy to write the reflections, and I get the the experience of it, like in terms of reflecting and like what have they learned and taking that time to do that. But I don't know. I just think we could do it better. I suppose is maybe. Like anything, yeah, we could probably do it a bit better than yeah. the way it works just now. Yeah. But I, I, it's probably a conversation for folk I, like above my pay grade, so I'll just open it up if anybody listening has a view on, on the benefits and strengths of awards or if, if you agree with Ian that, that actually maybe experiences are better and we, as workers we could do the reflective, the reflective piece on young people for them to still receive accreditation, then Please drop us a message and we can maybe open a conversation up about it uh, another time. Um, bye, get in touch if you, if you have any views either way. Ian, anything else to add before we wrap up? No, just thanks for, thanks for the time, man. I've appreciated it. Um, oh, thank okay. you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for your, your honesty and your openness. And um, thanks for the wee dig that, that I'm older than you. I'll be editing that out. Absolutely. Cheers. Bye. No worries, mate. Thank you so much. Have a nice day.